0: Blog talk radio. Are you ready to rock? Batista with the cat! And Andy Pennant is a stomach pitcher! I don't think he's pleased. Raymond Green looked like Duncan from shirt. Right now we're parents Cincinnati. We're gonna drink a lot of beer tonight. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get fine. I know words, I had the best words. Am I being pumped or something or It's time for Fanatic Radio?
1: This is Fanatic Radio. We are the Millennial Show. We're back for the first time in a long time. We have graced your airways as always. Shout out to the sponsors, shout out to the fam, shout out to the friends and family. I'm your host, my guard. I join with me always notorious Ben Florence. And we've got a lot of catching up to do, um, mainly with crazy stories from the last time we were off the air, what's going on in our our lives, and then of course sports which we'll get to uh, off the jump because we have a lot of fan mail we're going to answer. It's been about two weeks. We didn't do a show last week because your boy was working uh, his first race weekend of the season up on the hill in Watkins Glen. I'll uh, have more on that in a bit. And uh, I, like I can only imagine the, uh, the the debauchery that was going down uh, in your neck of the woods because Wedding flow made it today, his day, uh, his, his, Debut for the uh, <laughs> first time in a while, last time we were off the air. How was that?
0: Oh, well, it was fabulous. It was uh, my uh, my dear cousin, Gretchen Hanton, married uh, her fiancé. Uh, it was now a couple weekends ago. And it was a fabulous time. Went home for the weekend. I was down for the shore for a couple days. Uh, it was a good time. It's, uh, you know... I'm cool with the swamp, and the swamp is what the swamp does, but uh, it's totally nice to get out of here and return to the promised land, the great state of New Jersey.
1: How was, Jersey?
0: Welcome to you back with open arms. Yeah, I mean, it was hot, but it wasn't as shitty, if you will, as just the awful humidity and what have you, that the kind of awful weather that we have in the district at Columbia. But it was nice. Uh, I saw one of my buddies who's moving out to Chicago. Uh Thanks. and uh yeah it was it was a good time. Always always interesting to hang around the family too.
1: Makes makes you realize you miss them only to a certain extent, right? <laughs>
0: That's, That's right. It. Yep.
1: So my weekend, um a race weekend was great. Uh did not uh it was actually Actually, really it went really well. Uh, long story short, in case no one knows in the racing world, Mazda, yeah, the factory team won its first prototype race, six hours, uh, of the Glen. Shout out, to, shout out to Salem, by the way. And that was pretty much it. But the cool part about it was on Friday, um, a special guest, raced, uh, the presence of not only the track, the facility, um, but my house and proceeded to stay multiple days, uh, friend of the show and uh, my dear brother, John was, John Gardner was in the house, went to his first, uh, MCS sports car race, which was fantastic. And on top of that, he, uh, he proceeded to stay with me through the rest of the week. He actually left yesterday, which is a story I will get to later in the show when I recap our, uh, his bachelor party trip to uh to the 416 in Toronto, and there we I do have stories, I do have gossip, I do have juicy beef, much like we do on this show. Uh, so we'll go into we'll go into a tons of fan mail. We are we are backlogged. We will we'll tra- we'll start with something current. Something ca- kind of happened last week, or actually happened this week. Um, it's still pretty relevant. Major League Baseball had their Hall of Fame. We have reached halfway point in uh, in, this, in the, uh, the country's national pastime, and we have a lot of interesting storylines coming out of it. Out of all, and I'm knowing, and, and of course our resident Yankee fan in the house, Ben Florence, he is is religious when it comes to baseball. Out of all, out of all the rumors you've heard, and all the crazy stories, we have, we have everything from. Verlander calling out the league for juicing the balls because home runs are up. We have a report just coming out today that the players are unhappy with their salaries. We have the robot umpires debuting in the Atlantic League All-Star game this past week. Which one of the storylines from this, these past few weeks has is, is red flags and needs
0: uh, immediate attention? Well, I think everything that's going on in the NBA, I mean... First, you had the opening of free agency, which was wild because then you had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, signing with the Brooklyn Nets, which was nuts. You have all the moving parts, and then everybody's waiting for what Kawhi Leonard's going to do. And then Kawhi Leonard decides to sign with the Clippers. Okay, um, but not only that, they just they swing a deal. To uh, bring in Paul George, who nobody knew really knew that he was available on the trade market, gave uh, Oklahoma City just a wild haul. So now you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a number of solid key guys. I don't know why I'm drawing a blanket. you got Luke Williams. you got uh, Harold. They got a pretty darn good team, and in a league that's now pretty wide open, the Clippers are certainly now a top title Beverly. favorite. Yeah, Patrick Beverly. Uh, you know, it's of, of all the stuff now, the Clippers were the Clippers were in a position where, like, even if they signed Kawhi Leonard, they kind of missed the boat on everybody else. And at least if the Lakers were able to be able to sign Kawhi Leonard, they're going to have who the hell knows what their supporting cast is going to be, but they would have their big three. But now the Clippers break, pull off this crazy deal for Paul George. And now they, if they're not the favorites in the West, are one of, like, the top two or three. And so now just what's going to be a fascinating NBA season just completely got even more wild. wild excuse me. Is that,
1: is that good for the league? Actually, yeah, that's actually a fan mail question. Um, let me pull, let me, let me, uh, pull it up. Is it, is, it a, is it a good thing or a bad thing in the league that one-third of the starters are now on totally different teams?
0: Well, I don't think it's a terrible thing because you look at, like, the, um, you know, for example, the Lakers. Obviously, they blew everything up, and they were going to trade a tr- just a tremendous amount for Anthony Davis. Um, but that's the price you have to pay if you want to bring in a star, standing with the Clippers. Uh, and then you look at it the other way uh, for a team like Oklahoma City, uh, and now not only have they traded Paul George, but they're now actively looking to deal Russell Westbrook. It's one of those things in their spot. They're like, all right, we have this team that can maybe, if we're lucky, get to the second round. We're very much limited in what we can do in terms of bringing in other pieces. So, we might as well blow it up if they're going to get, you know, 200 cents on the dollar, if not more, for Paul George in the Clipper deal. I think uh, they have the responsibility to be like, hey, listen, you know what? We're getting a lifeline instead of just kind of hanging around the five, six, seven 6, seat in the Western Conference to – really rebuild and almost kind of reload with just a crazy amount of draft picks. They're going to come in their way. So I don't have a problem with it for the league as long as teams are, if they're going to make bold moves, like they vaguely know what they're doing. And so they're fully willing to accept the consequence. Now, do I think every team is capable of that? No, as we've seen, but they're, they're allowed to make that decision. Yeah,
1: um, happy about your Brooklyn Nets, though. Do you want Kyrie and Kevin Durant?
0: Well, you know, considering how Kawhi, uh, excuse me, Durant season was a mess. Uh, excuse me, Kawhi season was a mess. Considering the fact that um, it was such a mess in, Bro- in Boston, they had they had high hopes for a potential championship team. A 65-win team, potentially, there were some uh, uh, predictions for, and it was just a complete disaster of a season. Total disappointment. So, my thing was, listen, uh, I would, I would, would, and still argue this, you know, D'Angelo Russell, I would still rather have him than Kawhi Leonard because, yes, Kawhi Leonard is absolutely a better player now, but, we kind of know what, uh, what, excuse me, Kyrie's ceiling is. We don't know yet what D'Angelo Russell's ceiling is. It's possibly could be as good. It's possible he may never be as good. Possibly may be better than Kyrie Irving. Plus, you have less of the, um, of the go- of the riffraff. But I'm more willing to accept that uh, than I am now than I was previously. Now that you're also bringing Kevin Durant. Now Kevin Durant, who likely you know likely out for the, uh, the season, maybe come back in the playoffs. And then they, they did have to give that absurd contract to uh, DeAndre Jordan, who's a shell of himself, as we all know. But I, uh, I, I think it's awesome. And it's, one of, it's a rare offseason where the Nets are you know absolutely one of the winners. Everything worked out, uh, knock on wood. And then they do it really at the expense of the New York Knicks, who just had such a disaster of an off season as a result.
1: And we'll get we'll get some more NBA as fan mail rules on um, before we head to we head to the break. I'm gonna get your thoughts on the Major League Baseball because they had their All Star game a couple of days ago in Cleveland, and I feel like now more storylines not relating to to the game itself but more like meta storylines are taking over everything Um, out of all the ones that are happening the fan mail has been blowing up because of this but out of all the ones that have been addressed and there's been so many we had Verlander calling out the league for potentially juicing the balls to increase home runs we had our our report from USA Today saying the players are mad about the salaries Uh, and then we had a robotic umpire at the Atlantic League yesterday that people are now speculating is gonna to come to the major league baseball. What about what about the baseball storylines just sends up red flags for you right now?
0: Well, I think Justin Verlander, who obviously still has had a you know, just really just totally rejuvenated his career. has just been terrific ever since he came to Houston. I think he's right. Yeah. I I do believe the ball is being juiced. I mean, you the London series was ridiculous because that's it was such a small ballpark. But, I mean, still, there's no doubt that the ball was just flying. And it's not like they're in altitude like in Denver. But we've just seen crazy offense in a lot of cases. And it's gotten to the point where, yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of those, like, uh, unspoken things where everyone's like, oh, "Yeah, the ball is as We all know, but nobody was really wanting to address it. And if you don't have Justin Verlander, who has given up his fair share of home runs this year, if he's if he's going to be the one to address it, then you know other pitchers are feeling the same way. So I think that's absolutely uh, something that is is a major storyline because it's just gotten for a lot of guys so much harder to pitch because you make one mistake, you're giving up a home run, and the, the ball is really just zooming out of the park, So and a lot of joy. The robotic umpires, I think is something that they may explore, but that's a long way off. You have uh, an umpire uh, union, which makes it difficult for Major League Baseball to change or really get rid of umpires. And so I don't see that really happening anytime soon. So maybe that's kind of like a cool, futuristic uh, idea far off. Uh,
1: we uh, we can uh, prepare for down the line. In terms of, of juice, we've talked about this a lot, uh, mainly from my end, about how Rob Manfred is so desperate to make the game of baseball more appealing to the modern generation. Do you think he's? Do you think baseball is in a good spot, or do you think baseball's in a good spot, or? Is there still some work to be done? Because it almost seems like he's trying very hard to, and other outside forces are trying very hard to ruin sort of the fabric of the game.
0: Well, it's one of those things where I think they're always trying to evolve the game. They realize that the audience does change, uh, and there are things that they can't do to with it Like One of the things I thought was fantastic was the amount of, microphones and, and players might gut that you had in the All-Star game. So you heard a lot of stuff mm. on the field, Would you never you, – that's really what the one sport, you know, where you don't really get that. You They always do that for football. NBA is such a small court where you don't really get it. You don't get a lot in hockey, but again, it almost moves too fast. But But basketball, you can do it. And then you get the mic up segments, which are always great because they never say anything of no. It's always like, check up, check up, check up. Grab man, grab man, double, double, double. It's always just a like useless crap. Um, but I think that's a cool thing. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you have a new commissioner. Well, I shouldn't say a new commissioner. He's been there for several years now, but he's still relatively new, like for our lifetimes. A younger guy than Bud Sealing was. And it's one of those things to where I think, you know, they're they're looking to explore some things. I think there's some goofy ideas that have been bandied about. But I think you also have some old timers who are like, well, you know, the game is fine, you know, there's nothing wrong, you know. And are just completely resistant to any sort of change. Would you like to see more players mic'd up in the future? Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. I think that's one of the things that they do. You know, there's so many things they do poorly in the n f l with like with uh, coverage and what have you, but I do think that um, more microphones like they do in the n f l and you know in Meta they have all those sound effect shows and all that stuff that's generally pretty good on n f l network. I think that's a great thing, and I'd love to see more of it i and I hope that uh it also games will start
1: i I love it because. Um, you you hit the nail right on the head in terms of it's one of the sports that there there are many great athletes, which is funny because I forgot who it was. Some guy, who was it? A former a former player was saying that oh, the head of the players' the head of the union was all mad how like guys like Mookie Bet should be listed up there in in terms of marketing and, and topic of conversation with the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. But um, I think it's a stupid comment to say because how dare you compare, you know, a one-time World Series champion to two of the highest-paid athletes the world's ever seen. But anyway, um, that is where, it's where it starts because a lot, baseball is such an old-school sport where so many things seem so archaic and from the dinosaur age. But players like that. You know, you, you're the best player in the league barely gets... The, the credit he deserves for being a great player uh, and also just being a down to earth guy. And that is, uh, that is Jersey boy, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Trout. Mike, Mike's up player is the best way to start because there are a lot of players around our age. Uh, shout out to the millennials show. There are players that age that are very down to earth. And then you can get more of a personal touch with a lot of them. I'm, I'm thinking mainly for, uh, for my bread and butter, the Chicago Cubs. Like, half that roster is our age. Half that roster is in their late 20s. And one of the best mic'd up moments I've ever had or seen, watched, was Game 7 of the World Series, where a great conversation between Anthony Rizzo and now-retired catcher David Ross, where he was basically talking to Ross about the overwhelming emotions he felt. And it it was laughable, you know, a laughable like, 30 second conversation, but it was good because it put us sort of in 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 the. It almost felt like I was in the dugout. I mean, I love it because that was very organic. Whereas you have you know the, the guys in the booth with the interviewing the players with the headset. It's sort of forced. Basically, just like a press conference during the game. Um, but we I love that. I, I love. We need more player interaction. Even though you won't get much because the guys just most of them 90 percent of the time are just standing around and you know, waiting for the ball to hit. But you can do it with anything. Pictures would be great, especially that yeah, the exchange between uh, Madison Bumgarner and the guy from the Dodgers. who tell him, who told him to go get the ball in the bleeping ocean. Like we need that. We need that on the record, not lip ring, not lip reading, thinking lip reading. We need that vocally on the record. I think it's a great. I think it's a great uh, step in the right direction. Hopefully they do it because that has a more human touch. None of this nonsense. Home runs, I mean, I love home runs, but I'm also I also have the heart of a fifty year old, so the mind of a fifty year old. Mind of a fifty year old probably the heart of like a twenty year old. But I I don't know, because at the end of the day, look at the All Star game, there's only two home runs in a game that should have just produced like ninety home runs. I mean we always talk about the playoffs where Defense and pitching is key. So, what's the point of having a lot of home runs if it doesn't translate into the postseason and into the World Series? Um, before we take, I mean, before we take a break, your thoughts on baseball uh, halfway? Your Yankees look pretty good. Guys are slowly getting healthy. What's your What's your assessment so far, halfway through 2019?
0: Well, I, I think the Yankees are absolutely. I don't want to say in the the catbird seat, but they're in a great position right now. As you mentioned, the team's getting healthy. Um, the uh, they're looking good. Uh, they've been strong. They're really uh, kind of in a strong position in the American League East. They're six and a half up on again a good Tampa Bay club, but New York with the best with the best record in baseball. I don't know how many people would have expected that at this point. They would have been expected them to be up there. Uh, And then you look around at the league. Minnesota's been strong, as we've talked about. Houston's always a good club. Uh, And really just kind of a a goofy race is going to be the NL Central. Chicago's in first place at 47 and 43. Cincinnati's in last place at 41 and 46. your, Your whole division is separated by four and a half games. That's the kind of crap that we love. And I'm very fascinated as to how that divisional race shapes out. We got five teams, neither which, none of which seem to be that strong. But when teams are kind of mediocre, hang around, sometimes you get some fun uh, down the stretch, and that should be fascinating to see as we're about 70 games remaining in the regular season. Who worries
1: you the most? Um, at least in the American League, the Yankees were to face them in the postseason.
0: I would say Houston because Houston is – they're a veteran club. They, they're they a deep team. They got strong pitching, and they can hit. And when the Yankees ran to them two years ago in the ALCS, uh, Yankees gave them, a, gave them a go, but Houston was clearly the better team. So I would say Houston. But, you know, Minnesota's just been killing it offensively one of the strongest offenses in baseball, actually tied for the strongest offense in baseball in terms of runs scored with Boston Red Sox. And they they made a young team, not a lot of playoff experience, but that could potentially make them more dangerous come the postseason. Yeah,
1: looking at the, uh, the NL, I don't know why I represent this, this division. The Cubbies, my cubby, Um are in the dogfight with the Milwaukee Brewers which is very interesting. They go as, the Cubs go as, um, what the hell's that guy's name? Who's the guy from the Red Sox that they got? I, um, Craig Kimbrell. They go as he goes because starting pitching is okay. Hugh Jarvis is holding his own. John Lester is still killing it at like 40 years old, however old leaders. Uh, Jose Quintana, uh, Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks. Pitching is great. You know, they have, you know, Javi Baez, Rizzo, Chris Bryant is doing well. Maybe maybe the Madman Madden has finally figured out a leadoff hitter. I don't know. Um, it sucks, though, because I feel like the Cubs are going to drop stupid games between now and August, or now in uh, September, which is just going to come bite him in the butt again. But I'm impressed, by the way, with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Once again, top of the table, you know, one of the best teams in the NL. It's all that magic money. Now, that he's, now he's freed from the Lakers. He can do whatever he wants. It uh, makes him a very happy magic. But they're looking great. You know, Cody Bellinger is, um, is, is having an MVP-like season. Corey Seager is is solid. Clayton Kershaw, who many were writing off saying, you know, this is the uh, the ending of his career after all his injuries. I think he's like 8-2 and two entering the All-Star break. He's having another spell. my Shout-out to my boy. Shout-out to the Hall grads. He's having another major season. They're a dangerous team. Um, I love how you give props to the Astros. And, and Justin Verlander, who absolutely has rejuvenated his career. And I think now that he's back to his sort of like, quote, unquote, winning ways, he's more of a badass that way. I love how he's vocal and just calling out the commissioner. I also love how Manfred, he's one of those guys, at least with like Goodell, you know, he's like a sleaze and a scumbag. And Adam is just like everyone's best friend. Rob Manfred's one of those commissioners, and everyone just hates Gary Bettman. Rob Ramer one of those guys who like wants to be liked, but it's like, dude, dude you're so average and mess. It, it, it doesn't matter what you say, people still may or may not like. You. Kind of like Jerry Seinfeld. It's like, yeah, we we tolerate you. You're there.
0: Yeah.
1: That's pretty much it. But that's pretty, but like that's it. Like you're not, like you had your success. I mean, he had his success. So I wouldn't say he's that funny. Although I could be wrong, I don't know. But um, what we do know is we'll be back. we will be back. We'll have more fan mail because a lot of things happen in sports. A lot of things happen in our lives. And I still allegedly have a toga party to plan for, as I mentioned last time in the show. So stay tuned. You're listening to Fanatic Radio. We are the Millennial Show. More after this. Radio. It's, it's
0: Fanatic Radio. I don't give a damn about no damn Drake night. It's
1: the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Love Talk Radio. Every day is filled with a million reasons to give. Every moment is an opportunity to send a smile. From birthdays to get well days, there's always a reason to send a smile with 1-800-Flowers.com. Millions of businesses count on Fiverr every day to get things done faster, better, and on
0: budget. Fiverr.com is the world's largest marketplace for the professional and creative services you need to give your business a boost. Best of all, every service on Fiverr
1: starts at just $5. Go to Fiverr.com now and discover how easy it is to find the exact service you need at the price you want. No bidding, no membership fees. Just browse, buy, done. Sign up today for free at Fiverr.com. Fanatic Radio. Turn it on and rip the knob off. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on.
0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Oh my god, what happened, what happened there? Oh my god, I uh, we, I'm my gardener. that. We are fanatic radio. My guardian been born. Back here on blogdogradio.com's premiere show, Fnatic Radio. We are the millennial show, as mentioned, thousands of sponsors. Great first half of the show where we talk uh, wedding flow, baseball, NBA free agency, the Brooklyn Nets, um, and we have more. As always, check out the podcast on iTunes, blogdogradio.com. FIFO360, we are our social pipes as well. We are all over the place. We are all over the place, giving the giving the people what they want, providing exclusive content, all in good fun, all in the notion of the arts and the comedy, um, despite what other people say. So early thumbs down and middle fingers to those people. But we have fan mail. Again, we've been off for about two weeks and so we're back. Um... We will be back next week as well. I will preview what I'll be doing and leading up to that later in the show. But before that, fan, fan mail, and away we go. Thanks to all you to all you send uh, messages and whatnot on Facebook, on Twitter, and split to the DMs, the radio, we, go, we go way back for a while. The NBA had the awards. Giannis Antetokounmpo won MVP, rightfully so. Does, that, does, he, does he get high expectations now that he has been awarded Most Valuable Player of the League? Higher expectations than he did this year.
0: Uh, absolutely. I think that now, once you get to that level, really, MVPs are expected to contend for championships. Now, we'll see how it goes for the Milwaukee Bucks and for Giannis Antetokounmpo this upcoming season. Because now the team's changed a little bit. Guys guys got their money. Chris Middleton got a max. They gave uh, Paclopos a good amount of money. They lost Malcolm Brogdon. And then you look at an Eastern Conference. Yeah, Brooklyn's not going to be a title contender this upcoming season. Philadelphia's going to be in the mix. Um, bringing in Al Horford, yes, they they traded Jimmy Butler, but and they lost J.J. Redick. But bring it back. Uh, Tobias Harris signing uh, Al Horford from the Celtics, and hmm. then the you know I like Indiana, but they're not a title team. So, but really the now the pressure's on because you know you get this is the the classic thing with the Knicks where oh you know what we didn't strike it this year, but we're you know we're going to sign these guys to two year contracts or get the other because we're going to build space for Giannis and He's going to come to the Knicks, and I'm sure that will happen. But uh yeah, I would definitely say that now that he's won an MVP, expectations have uh raised just a tad.
1: Yeah, and they should be probably a better team in the East is so wide open as opposed as according to that rando guy who signed with the Sixers. Um whatever. Anyway, speaking with um with basketball, Kevin Durant, he's off to the Brooklyn Nets, as you mentioned. So many players getting max contracts. The fans want to know, Flo, if you were negotiating, what would be your demands for a max contract? Because he is sitting – Durant is out for a year, essentially. So it's like limbo, and he can ask for anything he wants, and teams are so desperate. If you had the high power in, in, in your sport, what would be your crazy demands for a max contract?
0: Um, wow. Uh, free Wi-Fi. A Wi-Fi. What's that? I said free
1: Wi-Fi. Your own private island.
0: Absolutely. Uh, free Wi-Fi would be great. Uh, free transportation would be fantastic. Um, whether it's a private jet, uh, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, being able to get around just at will uh, would be important. You know, I really don't ask for a lot. It doesn't take me a lot to get excited, so I really don't. It's hard to say, and this is why uh, I think everybody in all walks of life, I think we we need agents for everything, so that they're the ones that can really mm-hmm. handle this kind of stuff. You know, I was listening to uh, I'll get a a quick uh, tidbit about this. Listen to uh, Dale Junior's uh, the Dale Junior download a couple times, and one time he was he told multiple stories about uh, because when he was racing for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and racing for his stepmother, Teresa Earnhardt, there was no contract. There was no really anything. you just get paid. But he didn't really know how to maintain his finances until he hired his sister, our good friend Kelly Earnhardt, and then she mm-hmm. kind of ran everything. And, and then when he left DEI and became the biggest free agent really in recent NASCAR memory, then he had something to kinda of handle all that stuff because he like had one meeting with I think Joe Gibbs a number was presented to him and he was like, Whoa So that's why the the importance of agents. Managers. Would you would you ever try being an agent? No, I am not. Unfortunately I'm not cutthroat enough to to do that kind of stuff and I'm not the strongest negotiator with kinds of stuff like that. Like, I was actually talking about salaries. You know, one of my colleagues actually was able to negotiate her salary when she got hired for her current position. And I was like, I don't know how to do that, because I don't know what people, <laughs> what, what people make at such a position. Um, all that stuff, I, I don't think I'd be good at it. But I'd love to hire somebody that was good at it so they could do it for me. because she's a woman. I'm just kidding.
1: Shout out to uh, shout out to girl Power in 2019. Anyway. I my demands of a max contract. I would well, in, in terms of like whatever sport I was in, I would definitely take the Michael Jordan route. I would do the love of the game clause. I think that's one of the greatest demands in any pro contract ever in history. The fact that he uh, had had something in his contract to play whenever he wanted, when he wanted. So he could have done, like, what Joel B does and just completely dominate idiots on the blacktop in downtown Chicago. Love the game, Claude. Um, and then I'd always have, like, I'd have, like, a writer. You know, like, you know, actors and actresses have writers. For their, uh, for the talk, like, wait, that talk show. I'd always want, like, a, a, a bottle of something waiting for me. I don't know what it would be. Ask me next week, the same question, fan, whoever submitted it. Uh, oh, and then like, and then like, and like a free, a free excuse to always vacation to warmer weather because wherever I was playing, if it was cold. I would want that free vacation thing. I think max contracts are stupid, by the way, because no person, no athlete is ever worth any of that money. at the end of the day, athletes don't play for 80 years. They don't play for a lifetime. They play for about 20 years max, and then are just old and washed up. You know, selling copper fit like. Gary Rice, as my dryer is yelling at me in the background. They go, that's authentic noise. on am radio. We have radio. Not we do not have radio silence on this show. It's not that Kevin Durant is hurt, I think like I, I would not give him that con- contract even if he was hurt, because I'd say you have. You, there's no proof of your performance in the present. So leave me alone. And don't call this number. I'm just kidding. Uh, great question though. Um, this is one. This is one flow. Of the fans they suggested that you would love. What are your thoughts on Tampa Bay Rays going to Major League Baseball, proposing a split city team with Montreal as early as 2023?
0: You know, it's one of those things where it's been rumored uh, that Tampa Bay was going to explore potential um, avenues, other cities, because another stadium proposal in the Tampa Bay area did not work out and fell apart because it wasn't a fundraising, uh, funding thing. So now they come up with this cockamamie scheme where, hey, <laughs> okay, part of the year in Tampa Bay, part of the year in Montreal, be- because the logic is great where, hey, if we can't get one city to pay for our stadium, we can get two cities to do it and we won't need to build a roof because we're going to play, you know, at each part of the year where you wouldn't need a roof, like they'll play, I guess, the spring and into the summer a little bit in Tampa, but then, like I guess, the rest of the season Montreal, but then the fall back into. It's a really cockamamie scheme that makes no sense. We've never seen something like that. We've seen, we've seen teams, we've seen traveling teams in a variety of sports. We've seen in um, the Montreal Expos in the last the couple last a few years. Uh, They play, like, a number of games in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which led to some wild road trips, as you would imagine. And it's one of those things where it's an absurd idea, but this is the kind of stuff you're probably going to hear more of because, you know, owners don't want to have to pay for their own saves. They want municipalities and taxpayers to pay for it. And now Mm -hmm. folks are realizing that's not, there's no financial benefit or there's minimal financial benefit to this kind of stuff. It is really just a boondoggle. So it's a goofy, absurd idea. <laughs> I love that major league baseball is like, uh, yeah, if you really want to try this out, sure. See what could possibly do. But who knows? It's one of those things where it's like, how do you determine where you play in the off season? Cause like, what if you're not drawing a Tampa, but you're drawing in Montreal? I mean, it does, how do you build a fan base? Uh, it's, a, it's 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 laughable, but it's kind of fun.
1: I well, I don't. I've been to Tampa. I've never been to Montreal, but I love it how at least baseball is admitting that. Yeah, like yeah, we we kind of miss Montreal. We we should never have moved a franchise out of there, and so now they're going about this in the most in the most politically correct way without offending anyone. My thing is, if you – my thing is, is with anyone, it's with people. If you, if you know you've made a mistake, own up to it ASAP. You know, there's no – this is 2019. Things move electric lightning quick. Do not worry about the backlash if you say, we are going to go to Montreal and move into Tampa Bay Race the NHL did it with the Atlanta Thrashers, and they're back in Winnipeg, and those mofos made the playoffs like the first year back in the city. So if Tampa moves the Rays, Florida is the worst market I also didn't realize this. Uh, Tampa averages fifteen thousand a game. Miami is averaging nine thousand in attendance. I have been to Texas high school football games with more attendance than a major league baseball team. That is so laughably embarrassing. So I think the last thing baseball wants is a split city team which is funny because you were talking earlier in the AL East, uh, your Yankees, and one of the biggest competitors in that division is the Rays, is the Devil Rays, yep. you might add. They were never the Rays. Always the Devil Rays in my heart. And the fact that they're actually a good franchise. David Price was drafted to that team. He's won a World Series with the Red Sox. So I, you have to just own up to it. Go to Montreal. Um, because you're obviously you're, you're wasting time, and you're wasting money, and you're wasting talent in Florida. You have spring training down there. You know it's like it's like no one really likes the Diamondbacks. Everyone and their mother goes to Arizona for spring training.
0: So that I think
1: I think they need to own up and just at least ship the team out because they just split. It's not even a split. I think I said something. It was like a it was like 20 games in Tampa and like 40 plus in Montreal. You know. And not, it's a good idea if they weren't in two separate countries. So baseball has so much. I mean, I think things like, like they have so much on their plate. They're like, they're, like that eager, they're like that eager intern that wants so much work. And it's like, okay, because you did such a good job, we're going to just keep holding you accountable until you crack. And baseball, it, 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 they're, gonna, they're going to break soon because they, they just have so much. And it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, to college sports we go. This, is, this was last week. Thank you, fans, for emailing us in. It's um UConn actually is one of the few college programs that owned up the stupid mistakes of football, and they're going back to the Big East. Does this make the Big East better, or do we just not care?
0: Well, it's what the Big. It's, the American Athletic Conference always was just a of a conference, because it was all the football school, you know, because the Big East was like, we're most famous as a basketball school. Everything changed when we had Miami for football, and then we added all the other schools, and then it just turned into a mess. Virginia Tech had a really kind of mess. So they tried to go back to that. And they can't do it fully because, you know, you have Notre Dame, uh, and the ACC, although they never really were as much as in, in the heart as like, Pittsburgh or some of the other classic schools. Um, but, you know, you look at the Big East, and, you know, it's become because Villanova's been a power and got a lot of really good clubs uh, and teams in there. Connecticut is just, again, it was hard to really build much of a fan base or, you know, rivalry with anybody because there's really no geographic rivals for a lot of the school. They're just kind of all over the place. And so I think it's a great move for UConn. Hoops, the UConn Hoops has been, they've been inconsistent. The Kevin Ollie thing became a complete mess at the end. They brought in Hurley, good coach, I think. And, it, you know, it's a program that has won championships. But now, the now the key thing is UConn football. UConn football, say for a couple of okay years when they had Dan Orlovsky and Randy Ethel with the head coach, and they, either, they got their ass whipped by, I think, Oklahoma and, and the Fiesta Bowl because they're like an eight-win team that won the conference.
1: Um,
0: and then he had the very, the very successful run at Maryland before he actually had to go back to Connecticut. But this is a football program that's yep. never really had any history. They've never really been – there's not a lot of – there's not a recruiting hotbed up there. It's tough. And they've really not had much of a success there for short spurts, and certainly not in years uh, for them. so it's one of those things to where now people, are they going to be an independent? Are they going to drop down to the FCS level? What are they going to do? But in terms of basketball program, can't beat it to be back in the Big East, really where they belong.
1: Does that make you happy that a team, an athletic department has finally owned up to their mistakes, like something that you've been pleading on this show for the last three years?
0: Absolutely. I think, because, again, you know, the American Athletic Conference, it's, it's not like a cohesive thing. It's just more of like, here are all these schools, and I guess they'll work. We'll put them together. Got it because they still play football, so there's got to be something. And so it's worked great if you're, you know, more stronger football programs like South Florida and Central Florida and what have you. Uh, but for the rest, it's just been just, a, just a schmoz, which I think is a fabulous time. So I think for UConn, you know, and that's the key thing. When you're in the American Athletic Conference, you're deep in the depth chart in ESPN. Yeah, you get your games on ESPN football and basketball, but really for the Big East for basketball, there's Fox, there's FS1. Big games will be on Fox, and you definitely will get Connecticut games on Fox uh, when they play the big powers. You got FS1, and but then you also have some CBS Sports Network games, but they're the priority certainly for Fox. They have a, a slate of Big Ten and Pac-12 games, but the Big East. Is the primary provider um, for collegiate athletics basketball-wise on the Fox Sports network. So that is one of those things to where I think is definitely going to work out for him.
1: I love this move. I've always said that. I've always said in the likes of like Conference USA you should just ditch football and go straight to basketball because I honestly that is where. I mean, the problem is, honestly, that is where more money is. It is in, I think it is in college basketball, because the NCAA tournament has so much lucrative dollars. College football is such a misnomer, because you have, the, you, have the, you, say, you have this fake organization called the College Football Playoff, which is run by idiots and racists and sexists. Um, <laughs> and I completely denounce the entire organization. And I, say, but I stand by that. A college basketball, it's more teams, there's more excitement, there's more television, there's more games, so there's more revenue. Uh, I've been in the TV market, and Conference USA is such a dumpster fire because we already watched UAB shut down their program. I think more teams should do this because, especially in the Big East, you know, because nowadays college football is so, college football is so out of control that when you look at like what you said with, the, with Connecticut, they they they're not winners, and I think the, you, you cannot you can only be mediocre for so long. Because we love mid majors, and we love we love we love fluid we love solidarity in in a program. Yeah, that's why AU is not getting. A, that's why the American University is not getting a football team anytime soon. soon. Physically, we cannot, but we do not need one. Basketball is good. Other sports are great. You yeah, know, NCAA is always being. You know, held accountable and yelled at for their bias towards an ent- entity they can't control. So, I like this. If it, 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 it anything, it makes everything for the better. Women's basketball is not going into two lane and winning by 70 points. They're actually going to play tough games. Gino loves it. Uh, men's basketball is going to be exciting. <laughs> I cannot wait to see great battles um, in the Big East with UConn. Yeah, Dan Heller's done a great job with the program. Actually, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's like a second. It's like his first year, so I wouldn't say it's a great job, but um, it's tolerable. Look, at the, you know they're going to like Xavier to play games. It's been a good basketball program until um, until their coach left and went to Louisville. Like a coward he is. But then there's good. You know Marquette, solid program at the NCAA Tournament, Villanova, uh, Nova UConn, we get that on a regular basis. I'm excited. I am
0: happy. Mike Gardner endorses this.
1: It. It's rare. He doesn't endorse, doesn't endorse a lot of things on the show.
0: Mike, um, I got to cut in. We got, we, got some, uh, we got some breaking news from, we got a Woj bomb. Hi. Minutes ago, the Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets. For Chris Paul, first oh, round picks 2024 man. and 2026. Pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. It How about that? Reaction, go. <laughs> well, I, you know, everybody was wondering because everybody knew the Thunder were going to try to make a move to move Russell Westbrook because now, after doing the big. Uh, uh, yeah, the big Paul George trade, it's clear they're not trying to win right now. They're trying to blow it up and restart. So, but it was very fascinating because there were only were a certain amount of teams that had the ability to take on the contract of Russell Westbrook, which is one of the bigger contracts and uh, one of the more uh, worrisome contracts as you worry about a guy who's getting into his 30s who carries a big weight load in, in terms of... Uh, production for his franchise and it's going to be paid such amount of money. So, and everybody, you know, that's the beauty of Dale Mori, one of the great GMs, and always is a guy that's willing hmm. to pull things off and pull so many things off really out of nowhere. Like this deal, there have been rumors and there have been reporting that Chris Paul and James Harden did not want to play together. And Chris Paul had requested a trade, and, and but everybody was like, who the hell wants Chris Paul's ridiculous contract? But now, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, who knows what they're going to do with that contract, but at least clearly they're in a reload, rebuild fra- phase. And not only are they taking on the contract, so it offsets some of the money, you're getting two first-round picks. We don't know about protections yet and the ability to pick swap. So, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a bold move for Houston and Dale more. It's reuniting Russell Westbrook and James Harden. It's crazy to think that the Thunder at one point had Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, all on the same team, plus Serge Ibaka, plus some other key guys, and didn't really do much with us, any of them except for the one year they went to the finals. But, uh, big yep. move. It's going to be very fascinating to see how Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who Bill Simmons noted, I think, astutely on the Bill Simmons podcast, neither guy is particularly great at operating without the ball offensively. They just kind of stand around and just wait for the ball to come back to them. Now you're putting them together. But it's very clear. You know, this offseason has already been wild, and it's just getting wilder. And Houston is pushing their chips to the center. and going for it all?
1: They're absolutely not because this team is going to be...
0: This team, I think more so
1: than the than the Lakers, is going to be the most entertaining team to watch. Because you have three very, very bold personalities. I mean, at least in the Lakers, you know, LeBron, LeBron is a certified ass. Boogie Cousins is lazy. And Anthony Davis is, is, is the brown. And he's there. But the Rockets, you, my God, you have... This whole saga, which we talked about at Nauseam last week and two weeks ago, about the potential beef between James Harden and Chris Paul. And now you add, now you add, now you add Brody in the mix, which he wants his triple-doubles. James Harden wants his triple-doubles. They're either going to be the most efficient offensive team of all time in terms of every major set category, or, or Dan Tony's going to be fired in, like, a month. You heard it here first on Fanatic Radio. I think it's laughable. The Rockets, they're, they're trying willing every, willingly everything and anything to to get some kind of establishment. Yet in the fact, I still think it's hilarious that P.J. Tucker is still on that team, who is so old, his tattoos look gray because they have faded so much with the ink in in this in terms of the sands of time. That is hilarious. That's the so last especially on the Houston Rockets. Which is great, because Carmelo Anthony still does not have a team. I was actually going to ask you about Russell Westbrook, saying where does he fall into all this, but you. And, the, and, of course, and the media has answered our question. And the final question, before we head uh, we thumbs up, thumbs down, another great moment in sporting history that happened while we were off the air. friend of the show, Max Scherzer of the Washington Natinals, had a had a win and pitched 10 strikeouts. Had a 10 strikeout outing, or oh, with a broken nose. The fans want to know: Flo, have you ever had a lion heart moment where you have fought through an injury to uh, to succeed in anything—work, life, school, sports, etc.? You
0: know, I thought that Scherzer stuff was so cool. It's almost like hockey. We see guys who are just blatantly just broken noses and messed up faces, and then just going back out there for another shift. I thought that was so cool, good for Max Scherzer. I have never really had a moment like that. I do remember a moment in 7th grade playing rec basketball in the rec basketball league, getting yeah. elbowed hard in the nose to the point where I feared it was broken, but there wasn't any structural damage, just caused a significant nosebleed that got all over my jersey, which is great. Um and I remember that, but I didn't miss any playing time and it didn't cause any hurt. But then I think the best part of that story is that, that kid that elbowed me, uh, I was, I eventually recognized him like when I'm walking around, I think either a TDR at an AU and, I'm, and that guy went to AU. I never knew what his name, what? I never knew the guy. But some dude that elbowed me at a basketball game in seventh grade, I ended up seeing I, I saw him through high school, but ended up at American University, which I thought was just nuts. And we love that. Who?
1: Um, how old he? What was he? Uh, what year was he? When you when you first saw at you? He when was, you was a year older. He was in eighth
0: grade, so he was a year older than I was. And I am. Do you remember his name? No, I don't remember his name. I never met the guy. He was from one of the other towns that fed into my high school. And I never really knew him. So oh, I'm watching the truck race, and we just had the top two leaders just crash ours. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to the all great. that. And, um, but uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the closest thing I ever got to Max Scherzer and whacked and broken nose and stuff.
1: I, I think that is one of the most. I think that is one of the most valiant efforts. Dare, dare I say, ever that I've witnessed in sports. You know, of course, the old guys, the old heads, they get the Willis Reed coming off the floor. We're subjected to Paul Pierce in the wheelchair, and like two minutes later, he's back, which is fake <laughs> and stupid. Yep. I think I think Max Scherzer is the is the most I think he is, of course you know not no no, no disrespect to my boy uh, Verlander, um, I think Max Scherzer is the most feared man in baseball and rightfully so because he has two different color eyes, he's willing to stay on a crap franchise with god awful owners, and yet and yet he breaks and in, fact, in fact he breaks his nose, you know basically digging around in batting practice when I mean, he doesn't have to be. And the next day, he's like, I'm going to pitch. And, and Dave Martinez is, is the biggest push in all of baseball. Because little, little did we know, a few weeks earlier, he tried to take Scherzer out. Scherzer was like, stared down at him and started yelling at him behind his glove, being like, Don't dare take me out. I'm going to strike this guy. Like, like, wait till I do my job. Max Scherzer is, is officially a finagra status MVP of muscle. Secretary of Defense, he gets the badass award. Fnatic Radio, because that takes balls to do what he did. I have, I have never broken my nose. I have indeed gotten stitches under my eye, though. That's that's probably one of the worst injuries I've ever had. I remember growing up, uh, my neighbors we played street hockey, and of course uh, I went from playing actually on the to sort of uh, just in front of, of of my buddy's driveway, and of course I was the recipient of the back end of a slap shot. So I got smashed under one of my eyes and I believe 10 stitches. So I have been the recipient of that. And I, don't, I, don't, and I think I got a black eye. I don't even remember when I got a black eye for anything else, but I I was so young I didn't. The last injury that I even remember having was, uh, was the was sore back, in which of course I got a back massage um, from a woman into the house call, and and, and 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 yes, there's so many other gray areas and that and and everything I just said, but that, that definitely is one of the ballsiest performances. It's just great because the Nationals are so desperate for anything, um, they're still in the hunt. I saw that the other day for the wild card, which is amazing, and there's still so much time left in baseball. It's fantastic. Um, And what's even more fantastic is this. You cannot be serious! But it's time for thumbs up, thumbs down. That's right, our critically acclaimed segment. What's good, what's bad in the world? We've been off the air for a while, so glad we're back. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hello, what's good with you? What's good with you? The fans want to know. Or bad.
0: Well, that's a very open ended question. Um, but <laughs> what's good and bad thumbs down is going to go to NASCAR. I was telling you about this, the, uh, this past weekend, the, uh, the Coke zero 400 at Daytona, formerly the Pepsi 400, formerly the firecracker 400, the last, uh, Daytona July race before it moves to become what is it? Uh, because it's moving, to, uh, is it, I don't remember, is it the, uh, it's the uh, playoff cutoff, or it's in the chase? I don't remember now, but No, they're the, so you have the they're
1: going to be, they're going to be the, le- yeah, they're going to be the last race of the regular season, as Indianapolis is being moved was. to 4th of July.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which, we love that. So, uh, you have this race, you get rain delays all weekend, which, you know what, okay, that happens. So, we get the sun. We get this. It's supposed to run Saturday night. It gets postponed to Sunday. Storms are continuing, so they know it's going to be touch and go throughout the day. So they run most. Of, they run most of the race. They run at, at like one o'clock because they don't want to run it earlier because of the uh, Women's World Cup uh, championship game on Fox, which you got to also love. Uh, where we are in this country now, that NASCAR used to be a big rating sport or a bigger one, and would not be afraid of going up against. The Women's World Cup uh, now is afraid of it, and the Women's World Cup is a powerful thing. If the U.S. was not in it, this would not have been a problem, I feel confident in saying. But that's a different story. So uh, they run the race. They run most of the race. And they go into a – they get a caution for a big wreck that takes out most of the leaders. So then what happens was the guys that get through the field, it's a big wreck, uh, like 13, 14 cars – Uh, Kurt Busch ends up the leader and so they do like eight caution laps which is generally longer than you usually get because the, the race probably should have been red flag so here's the first thumbs down to NASCAR red flag the race running laps under caution just for the hell of it doesn't really help anybody so then here's what happens NASCAR tells the team's Listen. Now, now everybody knew that Thunder was coming at some point, so it's on the radar, but NASCAR has this, like, eight-mile radius thing, and then they have to wait 30 minutes after the last strike, so there you go. So what happens is Kurt Busch is leading. NASCAR says, all right, we're going to have one more lap uh, under caution, and then we're going green. So Kurt Busch and a number of leaders go into pit. And then... After those guys pit, NASCAR then says, we're going under the red flag, we got light. So, of course, Kurt Busch, who we know has a temper, uh, very unhappy about that, was blowing up on the radio. I think it's a ridiculous job by NASCAR. People are defending NASCAR, saying, well, you don't know. I mean, you can't can't read a radar. And, you know, I'm sure that there may not have been inside the eight-mile radius or in the periphery. Plus, you race all those... Uh, laughs under caution, so it's just a complete mess. So then, here's who ends up in the leader, a guy by the name of Justin Haley. Justin Haley uh, is a regular in the uh, Dandor Outdoors Truck Series, Xfinity Series, uh, and has some talent, but he's running for a team that bought, I don't want to get too much into the NASCAR thing, but you get what's called charters in NASCAR. And those are teams that are locked into every race. And the the performance of the team that holds the charter entitles you to more money. And this is the charter that was won by, uh, owned by furniture row racing, which won a title. It had a, a final performance of like standings of like third, first and 10th or something like that. So That's that. So you have this team which has been mediocre all year long, uh, all long, not really trying to run that strong. They're kind of doing, you know, they're partnering with a smaller team that also is a backfeeder team. So this guy, here's the crazy thing. This guy was running 27th when the caution flew for the big wreck. This guy ends up in, in the lead because he did not pit and it just happened to be out. So then eventually NASCAR waits, I don't remember how long it was, multiple hours. They have lights at the track. So they could have theoretically waited all night if they have to and run it whenever. And especially for this situation where you have this was truly a fluke situation. Plus the following week it's not like they're going to, you know, Phoenix or they're not going to Sonoma. They're going to Kentucky. So that's not much of a haul at all. And Daytona's not that bad of a haul from North Carolina. But the NASCAR calls the race, and this goofball Justin Haley and his ridiculous team, which is also ridiculous about the team. The team is owned by like an agency. We talked about agents earlier. This is an organization that represents drivers and teams, like uh, Kyle Larson, and uh, sponsors as well. So you have an agency that also owns a team, which would never be allowed in any sport. So NASCAR calls it. This guy gets a, a completely fluke win. I mean, you're happy for him, but it's not like a true rain out situation where guys are, you know, pushing the limit on gas or they're winning a fuel mileage race. This is just more NASCAR right. b- just about calling this uh goofy rain situation. So I'm very fired up about it. It's kind of convoluted <laughs> because everything in NASCAR is convoluted. Unfortunately, I wonder why uh, NASCAR's ratings and attendance have been on the downside. So thumbs down to that. Um, that's a very long thumbs down. Uh, said, also, no, thumbs down.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, I mean, that was. I was trying to explain it to you, and I had to just send you resort to sending you links because it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? So I don't know. Um, thumbs up. Uh, I'm trying to think what's uh, but then potential so, thumbs up is going to go to. Uh, Camden Yards, the Baltimore Orioles not because the Baltimore Orioles are a good team because they're not, they're very bad one of the worst teams in baseball, they may be the worst team I think they are but next Wednesday, excuse me I keep saying next Wednesday, next Tuesday because I'm using a comp day on Wednesday I'm going, I've been to Camden Yards once with a buddy of mine but I'm going to go hmm. solo for a Nats Orioles game on Tuesday night at Camden yeah. Yards and I'm very excited a, because I was like, I, you know, I didn't take, like, really any time off until the end of the month in June. And I was like, you know, I'm getting screwed here because everybody else is taking time off, and I'm having to fill in for everybody. And I'm like, F that, you know. How about some flow time? So I started start using the yes. comp days. I got some vacation uh, we're using in August. We're hopefully coming up. We're planning on coming up at the weekend before Labor Day, coming up to beautiful Watkins Glen. Um, yeah,
1: stay, man, stay well, tuned to that.
0: That's right, a little preview for you. So, thumbs up to uh because, you know, it's a night game and I have to drive there. Because I know there's a train that goes there, but the train doesn't run late and it's an evening game, but that's okay. So, paid for a little parking. Tickets are cheap, and that's the beauty of it because the Orioles are awful. Nobody wants to go to their games. So, it should be fun.
1: We'll yeah. have
0: a full report next week. That's fantastic.
1: I will dovetail off that. Um... And uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. I will give a thumbs down to the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, yeah, I'll give a thumbs up to the Baltimore Orioles, Chris Davis, because they were the opposing team that I saw for the Toronto Blue Jays when I went with my brother. That's right. Uh, that's right. I was in Toronto this past few days, past weekend, which is great because nothing is more patriotic than going over the border on 4th of July day. So, yeah, there's that. Um It was great. Thumbs up to my brother for for actually coming up to um, to my neck of the woods to endure um, my house, my livelihood, everything for a few for a few for basically ten days, which is amazing. He came in on Friday and he proceeded to stay through the weekend. Uh, We went to Toronto. We went to Toronto on the fourth, which was great. You know, it went over the border, um, and then after that, we were in Toronto. We were in Canada. We saw. We basically ran. We basically ran the gauntlet of everything touristy in Toronto. We went to the Hockey Hall of Fame, CN Tower, Casa Loma, the Royal Ontario Museum. We even went to the. uh We got a tour of the Toronto, the uh, Ontario Legislative Building, which is like their, which is like their Providence's capital. Um. We went to the bars. We went to a Blue Jays game where they played the Orioles, where Chris Davis smacked a 400 foot homer because the Blue Jays suck. Saw Vlad Guerrero Jr., who won the home run derby days later, which is fantastic. Um, and we even went to a Canadian football game. If you follow me on the social pipe, uh, one of the greatest experiences ever because, uh, because of, I guess, bad offensive play calling, et cetera, et cetera. The game was tied seventeen seventeen. The Argonauts just scored, and this is like with thirty. It's like probably about fifty seconds left. So we're I'm immediately looking at. That's the that's a great game. football. I encourage everyone to watch that by the way because it is it is out of control. It is nuts. It is fantastic. All in one. So I'm quickly looking up the, the rules on what happens if this if this thing goes into over, and. Lo and behold, they do sort of a college football style over time, so I'm thinking, great. This is fantastic. More free, We love free football here on this show. So I'm getting excited thinking uh, all, the endless, all the endless possibilities of what is going to happen. Uh, but, of course, this is the, uh, the CFL. There are certain ridiculous rules, which I think the NFL should 100% put in place on certain things, which I will say next week. On this show because we're, we're running out of time and we have lives to live. Anyway, uh, British Columbia marches down the field off of an illegal procedure on the ensuing kickoff. So they're already at the 40. And they get it down to about the 30. Now, CFL uh, goalposts are on the goal line. So he's kicking about a 30 yard kick, which is hilarious because that is a current NFL uh, point after touchdown. Uh, which would apparently kicker's miss, So I'm thinking this is this guy. He's gonna. They're basically trying to kick for the win, to to win 20 to 20 to 17. Offside. So a false start. So they get back five yards. Now this guy is kicking about a 40. Because you know with the with the, the kicker they kick a little farther back than the, the yard lines say. He's basically kicking a 48 yarder for the win. Now in Canadian football, much like the NFL is doing now, you can have that guy that. In the end zone or back, the kick is missed and attempt to run it out. So the guy from uh, from, B, from British, from BC, kicks it. It goes just wide left. Guy in the end zone feels it. And when he catches it, um, two steps in, all of a sudden the ref, waving his arms, blows it dead. Come to find out, when, he, when, the, uh, when the Argonauts player caught it in the end zone, his natural momentum of stepping backwards, he stepped out of the end zone. Now, in normal NFL and high school, college football, that is a touchdown. And, and basically, we're going to overtime.
0: But in Canadian football,
1: if a player kicks it, misses a field goal, and the, uh, the opposing team attempts to take it out of the end zone, or field it if he's in the end zone. You have to make it out of the end zone. If you fail to do that, it is a point for the offensive team. So Toronto lost 18-17 because the guy was an absolute simpleton idiot and stepped out of bounds, didn't know where he was in the field. My brother and I are standing in the stands completely – Stunned of um, what the hell just happened? Boom, game is over. Eighteen seventeen on some crazy Canadian football rule, which I believe the NFL should imply. imply. Um, none of this touchback crap. If you can, if you feel it in the end zone and you and you step out of bounds like an idiot, that is the point against you. I'm also a firm believer of the whole. Um. Less timeouts. less capability has that where you can only call you can only call one time So instead of a two-minute warning, the CFL has a three-minute warning, but you can only call one timeout within that three minutes. Because like college, the clock stops after um, every play. I think the NFL should do that. What was great was this game started at seven, and it ended at about nine thirty. Like an hour and a half. It was like a two-hour and a half game. Which is fantastic because at modern day NFL games take like four hours, and we boiled it down because it's, it's crappy replays and everything gets reviewed in longer TV time So we had a great time. Um, shout out to the porch. The stamp is no longer on my wrist. It was on my wrist for about three days. People thought I had. A, people thought I came back with a tattoo, which I did not. I do not have a tattoo. If, I, if I, my if my mother is listening, I do not have a tattoo. But I had a great time in Toronto. Um, It was fantastic. Shout-out to my brother. Definitely the vacation we needed. Uh, Definitely the vacation I needed and didn't need because I came back to just basically a hell of a week. Where we had Austin Sendrick and Joey Logano. And we have a wine fest that starts tomorrow. All of that is happening in less than seven days. Um, Shout-out to the – thumbs up to to that. There's that. Thumbs up to the trip. Thumbs up to Joey Logano. We hung out with him in Rochester today. We went bowling to see our sponsor go bowling. Uh, and I am now a uh, unofficial member of the 22 crew because shout out to my good friend John Logan, former card, former head engineer of Joey Logano's team. He, uh, he and I grew up together. We went to ele- we've, we've known each other since uh, you know first grade went to elementary school, middle school high school together. We we're the only two people in the Highland Park area that loves NASCAR. He went off to Michigan and worked for Penske, won a championship with Joey Logano's team, and of course, as soon as I mentioned it, that his name is Joey Logano, he looked at me like he's like, wait, like how do you know this kid? Like, wh- oh my god! And it was great because he brought his TJ Majors, his spotter and 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 Mule, I don't mean, Dave Meadows, who is just like right front tire changes. And I was tell, I'm was like, we're swapping stories about this, about my buddy who I've grown up with, which is awesome, because now I have clout with a champion, uh, and I'm excited when they come up here back in August. Great event. Um, I had a couple of thumbs up. Where is the Bat song? And I had some thumbs down, because we, we love hate on this show as much as I love the next guy. Thumbs up to Malcolm. I've, uh, he got traded, which is Bucks are stupid and should have kept them. But thumbs up, because I didn't realize this past year he joined the exclusive 50-40-90 club, which I dropped that the other day during six down. Um because I, uh, because of our vice president, who I loathe with a burning passion because I think he's a fucking idiot. But he was saying something about – he was saying something about you – know, he compared whatever we were talking about to basketball. And he was saying we should go – I, and I want to get your take on this, flow. He was saying we should go for the slam dunks, very, very Shaquille O'Neal style. And then I said, or we could do it the more efficient route and be part of the 50-40-90 club. And the room fell silent because no one knew what it was. And then when I dropped the names of Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Larry Bird, and then people Ray Allen people were like then then the other coworkers were like oh okay i get it what would you what, what would be more efficient the the, the 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 slam dunk approach Steph Curry is part of that club as well uh the the slam dunk approach or the more efficient shooter approach of the 50 40 90 club I'm
0: sorry, was that a question? or? <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, I was just saying. what would you want? you want? Do you want that low post action or do you want the
1: efficient shooter? You know, I love,
0: I do love, you know, in today's day and game where you get the three ball and you get all that stuff. So uh, I do love the efficiency stuff. I think that's good offense. But every once in a while I want to see them roll the ball out, just get it right back, right to the basket, and just power it in. Like the good old days, like Tim Duncan's game. Who doesn't love that? We 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 love the big fundamental, um,
1: and then it's also sad to see that Tony Parker is retired. he's one of the few guys I actually enjoyed watching growing up. Um, as 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 fa- as the fans on the microphone, it sounds like I'm struggling. I'm actually trying to clean lint out of my dryer, which is something that most modern Americans do not do. Oh, it's something <laughs> so new. I don't know why I'm doing that. Why? Why am I wasting? Why am I wasting my time with that? Um. Yeah. So. So. Thumbs, thumbs up to Malcolm Brogdon. Join that club. Which I, by the way, saw him play in college. I saw him play when he was a rookie in the pros for the Milwaukee Bucks with the Greek Freak. I saw the Greek Freak back when they had freaking Jason Terry and Jason Kidd as a coach. So all of a sudden, that they're like, wow, they're good. Yeah, I. I Actually do want I wanna give credit to Rodney Scarf, my boy from Phoenix. He called it saying that this team is gonna be good in a few in a few years, so they going up being the beast of the East. Uh thumbs down to Dwight Howard. It's sad he was cut by the Wizards. Um, uh, which is amazing because at one point he was compared to be the next uh Kim Elijah one. And now he's not on a team. So he's like Carmelo Anthony, the guy's from that sort of generation. Are, are like panning, are like fanning out and being, and uh, and and slowly losing uh, momentum. Um, uh, final thumbs down goes to the Espies and Tracy Morgan. I watched his monologue. It's probably the most cringeworthy thing I've ever watched in quite some time. And there have been a lot of trailers for movies that have come out and commercials. This was bad. Tracy Morgan. Is it, I don't know how old he is, or what he's done in his life. I, I, do you have a stroke? Like, do they have some medical thing? Am I wrong in saying that? Like, like, do I have my
0: facts wrong with that? You yeah, well, he was in like a bad car accident, which almost killed him. Mm. Okay, okay. Because I was gonna say
1: he's was he, a little slow on stage. Like, some of his jokes were really bad, but he's so Adam. He's so out of touch at the times. Um, the SDs are a joke. I, I'm surprised they still have it. I think it's because ESPN has such a great relationship. With ESPN LA. Um, thumbs, thumbs down, yeah, thumbs down to that. Thumbs down to Tracy Morgan. Not as the the only good host to ever host that show was when LeBron and Jimmy Kimmel did it, like back in like 2003 or 2005. Um, other than that, the show is, is an absolute dumpster fire. And then I guess we should end the show um, with a big congratulations. I I can't believe we went in an entire hour, almost hour and a half. Without mentioning it, the United States women's soccer team uh, is back-to-back world champions. First country ever in women's soccer to win four World Cups. Um, this is be a fantastic segment to end on.
0: This is, a, this, is a,
1: this is a segment outside of thumbs up, thumbs down because I give them a thumbs up, but I also give them a thumbs down. What is your take on this whole situation, Slo? Because I I am the guy. I come from the purity of sports where all I want to do is speak nothing of high praise of this team for their accomplishments on the field. However, we live in a society where that is not the case. What happens with the women's soccer team um, as of, like, next week and going forward?
0: <laughs> well, obviously, now, you know, through the efforts of others, but, you know, Megan Rapino, they've really tried to step up the advocacy and really be outspoken and willing to voice their opinions on a variety of issues, which, I mean, it's one of those things where you get the people to, like, stick to sports, but it's like sports is intertwined, like, with everything. So uh, it's I think we'll hear more of it, but that's ultimately the problem. It's like the Olympics. Like, you know, Olympic gold medalists, you know, you as a former uh, uh, man of the USOC yourself, you know, we, we salute and we cherish these, these champions during the Olympic Games, but it's like after it, what kind of happens. And, unfortunately, you have the NWSL for women's soccer, professional women's soccer. It really hasn't caught on. Granted, MLS really has not caught on that much, save for, you know, when they're selling at NFL stadiums in Atlanta and you got cr- crazy fans all over the place and multiple teams in New York, but, um, so it's, it's, that's a hell of a question, what really comes up next, but I did love the whole thing, you know, you, you always love how pissy the British media get, they really do get kind of pissy, about a variety of things, and they were really pissy about this women's team, because you know, they were open, and they were mocking them in some aspects, and they were, you know, celebrating, and just having a hell of a good time, which I have no issue with, so it's, it's been a hell of a ride, but it's very fascinating to see what comes next. My my thing is I
1: understand what they're coming from because this isn't the first time we've we have visited this issue in terms of, of in terms of equality and equal pay. The problem with it lies first of all, the problem with it lies with the fan first of all, the fans, because those who are chanting equal pay and carrying the sort of torch that we've seen in you know, the likes of like Ellen DeGeneres and Billie Jean King. They're not,
0: they're not soccer. They're not really true
1: soccer fans. They're not football fans. They are the common American that tries to, uh, to piece one and one, two and two together, which I was and I'm actually glad I was with my brother, um, resident soccer expert on this show. And, uh, and lover, lover of all things of the black and white checkered ball, he said the the problem with it is it lies at the end of the day it it is it is it is it lies at the international level, and by that I mean FIFA, which we know is the most is the cleanest organization in all of sports. <laughs> that is an absolute sarcastic joke for those who don't know. It's probably one of the most corrupt organizations ever to be assembled. They take because what they do is they view everything through a pretty much black and white lens. They're saying, "Well, yeah, we they won the World Cup, but you look at and it's the same thing that the NBA has with the WNBA. Whoever those whoever those players that were mad, like Harrison Barnes, got some big contracts, and they're like, "Well, where's the women's contract?". And then immediately, you know, they fought fire with fire with the NBA. And it's like, you don't want to play this game because you look at attendance, you look at broadcast rights, you look at corporate dollars. And the sad thing is this women's national team is is just sadly a a victim of that. Yes, they got Nike support. Yes, Hulu has live sports. But at the end of the day, it's it's sadly become that money rules everything. Money rules money over everything. That's a rapper's quote from somewhere, but it is very depressing because I think the federation, United States Soccer Federation, they'll do their best to make sure these these athletes get paid equal. Because at the end of the day, this is their team, because they don't have a strong club system like the men do. They don't have like they, they ain't making Neymar money. At, at Paris Saint Germain, like Alex Morgan, Rupino, the rest, the women's national team is like their savior of, of publicity and, and merchandise, et cetera. Uh, then, but then it gets to a red tape when you get to the international level because that's ultimately who dishes out the money. FIFA looks at the is, looks at the World Cup and thinks, you know, how much do we earn? But at the end of the day, the problem is the women's World Cup. The first World Cup, I think it was in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. Our, our fact, our our, our FNAC radio team can definitely fact check me on that. But so 1991, first men's World Cup was in the 30s. So already, that is a 60-year advance. Plus, there are more teams in the men's World Cup, than the women's World Cup. There's 32 in the men's. There's 24 in the women's. So there's obviously more games in the men's. Thus, there's more television viewers. There's more revenue. So it is the it is the slipperiest of slopes. Um. And so equal, 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 equal pay. I don't think will ever be achieved because the problem is, as as much as we all want it to be, because they are world champions, rightfully so. It will. It, I don't think it will ever be achieved to what they want because it's because now what happens is you go into the legal system, and it's and no matter no matter and we've seen this before. It's everything with the Supreme Court, with the appellate court, with anything politics that goes on today. Is public outcry public outcry doesn't do anything for anyone nowadays, especially when it gets to like the judicial system, because now it goes into like the court system, and you already have people and judges with their own personal opinions, and and and, and lawyers and money and different viewpoints. So I don't know what is going to come of it, and it's sad because the end because ESPN is, is going to start televising NWSL games. But then again, it's, it's all off of the World Cup high. They, they said the same thing in 2015 when they won in Canada, and nothing came of it. And most people forgot. Most people forgot about it and didn't remember until Abby Wambach retired. So it, it is very sad because this team, this team is probably one of the most successful fr- I think franchises in American sports because they they're, they're champions of the world back to back, which has never been done, and four times. It's incredible, and well, the stupid U.S. men couldn't even win the freaking gold cup. Um, but I don't know. I I just I'm gl- I'm glad they're they're raising awareness, but it's this it's upsetting that they're that that on the surface they're fighting sort of a, not fighting a lost cause, but it seems like that. But I i but I but I want them to be celebrated for their athletic achievements, and I feel like and I feel like the more they <laughs> the more they bitch and moan about this the less the common people will view them as champions. And then years down the line, when they don't get what they want, they'll be like, oh, this is the team that just cried foul when they didn't get paid. Not the fact that they just completely ran rampant through the World Cup like a hot knife through butter. Like, that should be remembered because that was freaking awesome to watch. Shout, first of all, shout-out to my girl Jill Ellis. Final thoughts, Yeah. Because it's the coach who I met and was one of the nicest women out there, they when P, when she took over for Kia son, after she failed to win the World Cup after losing to Japan, they Jill Ellis took over, and people thought she was because I think she lost she lost one of the Olympics. I don't know. No, I think she who won in London. I think it was Pia Sundage. and then they and then and then then left. Jill- she took Pia Sundhage left. She retired, but to go coach Sweden. Phillips takes over, and they they lost like they lost a couple of friendlies, lost a tournament, whatever. People are all over her and Like she doesn't know what she's doing. She's in over her head. She doesn't know how to manage talent, and yet she came in and recruited youth, which is the Elixir of life in in, in in world football, men and women. She got girls from college and like 18 year olds, and said, "Fuck the rest of the world." We went out and even though they lost in the Olympics, they lit, they won in 2015. They licked their wounds and they came back. And not only did they win their group, win 13-0, whatever the hell they beat Thailand, they beat the host on their home floor. They beat England. They beat every good team in Europe. And they outscored opponents like 28 to
0: the 3,
1: which is fantastic. With no hope solo, which is fantastic. She is an enemy of the state on this show. So shout out to Bill Alicia, the, uh, the ultimate mastermind behind all this talent. That'll do it for the end of this show.
0: Yeah. Congrats to them.
1: They are champions. Um, I also love the fact that a D.C. distillery wants to invite them for free tastings. Where are free tastings? We work hard, <laughs> and, Flo, and Flo represents us in, in Washington, D.C. So please, before I finish my rant, we'll be back next That's week. Right. Uh, I'll recap some of what goes on at Finger Lakes Wine Festival. My mother, and, oh, so, side note for the fans, know, My mother and, and, and two aunts and my grandmother are coming into town for that. So follow me on social media, God willing, a FNAC Radio on Instagram, God willing what is going to happen. Um, but there will be drama, and to quote the, uh, the Academy Award winning movie, there will be blood. Just kidding. Um, there will be no fights. Yes, but, yeah, I will, I will have stories because Winefest is the best because my gardener lets his hair down. Not his mullet because I haven't grown that yet, but my hair is getting pretty long. Next week on Fanatic Radio, so Mike Garner, grow a mullet. But until then, catch the uh, podcast on iTunes, b1360.com, or social pipes, blog.radio.com. This is Fanatic Radio. I'm Mike Gardner. Ben Florence, as always. Until then. Bye.